Hey, how's it going, you guys? It's me, Chunky Larry, uh, dropping another one of these catastrophe flashbacks. And uh, as has become customary for these catastrophe flashbacks, I do a little bit of housekeeping just to kind of keep you guys up to date with the comings and goings of this website that is run completely by me. So I, if I if I give you information, it's usually correct, unless I change my mind after I record these, uh, which has been known to happen. Um, so let's let's get this stuff out of the way. In terms of creature features, I've got a creature features flashback that's going to be dropping uh, tomorrow, and then the day after that, it will be my review of John Carpenter's The Thing. I decided for creature features, I was going to do Jan Carpenter. Uh, I back in the day would do a theme month and I said fuck it I'm gonna do a theme month this month it's John Carpenter's birthday this month so I'm gonna drop a couple of uh, Creature Features podcast uh, flashbacks that I did uh, in the course of the rest of this month which is very very fucking limited we've got about 11 days left so if I'm gonna do it I gotta do it now uh, so you will be getting some more Creature Features content some of it's gonna be flashbacks but if you haven't heard the reviews uh, you should enjoy that got the fog in the mouth of madness but the first one will be halloween um, in the prince of darkness episode i had mentioned that i had reviewed uh <laughs> the thing at, and it turned out when i went to go do a flashback episode that i had not recorded a review of the thing I'm not sure how that works maybe it's the mandela effect who knows but uh, that is going to be released this week. Uh, that should be Friday. Uh, and then on Sunday, we have another episode of Matinee, which will be uh, Street Fighter and Return of the Street Fighter, which is a fun double feature look at some Sunny Chiba. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy that. I hope you're enjoying the Matinee episodes. Last one was... Uh, she Devils of the Elsa of the SS and Ilsa She Wolf of the SS. Uh, I mentioned that it was Fräuleins in Love, I believe. That, that was another title. If you heard the episode, you know that. Um, other than that, I hope you guys gave Just Saying a listen. It was only 15 minutes long uh, this past episode, so if, if you've got the time, give that a listen. But we're going to get into what we're doing this week on Chatastrophe Flashback. This was a conversation I had with uh, just a fantastic person. I, when I was a young man, fell in love with uh, movies largely due to a film that she was in. And I'm going to get into all of that. Um, but I'm talking about Marilyn Gigliotti. This was a lovely conversation. She's a very open book. And I feel like uh, we had a good energy in terms of conversations, so I hope you guys enjoy that. Give it a listen. Um, you know, got got lots of stuff that I'm trying to do. Uh, still just plugging away, just trying to make the most of 2021, so as to uh, scare away the reaper. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Marilyn Gigliotti on this 
Catastrophe Flashback from geeksoftheindustry.com. This is Tawny Katane, and you're listening to Geeks of the Industry. Geeks of the Industry. The following episode of Chatastrophe is being brought to you by fear and the ability to overcome it. What's up, you guys? This is Chunky Larry. Welcome to another episode of Chatastrophe on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. I am so fucking excited, enthused even, to be able to do what I'm about to do. I, uh, I have the joy and pleasure to speak with Marilyn Gigliotti from a film that I just treasure and admire. And I, and I do get into that uh, relatively early on. And kind of consistently throughout uh, that film, of course, is Clerks. It is a very important film to me. And um, ironically enough, uh, though I did not make any 37 jokes, I am 37. And it's only fitting that I speak with the person that makes that even make any sense. A, a lot of the things that I've done, you know makes sense to me because of the film Clerks, and uh, this is absolutely, in my opinion, the, the payoff of all of the whimsy that I've chased kind of throughout my life, and um, really big fucking deal to me, to me. Um, maybe, you know, you guys have, you know, speaking to the alumni of Clerks a bunch of times, this is no big deal, most kind of, it's huge deal for me. So I'm really fucking excited. I hope that you guys enjoy the conversation. When we're done with the conversation, I will come back and tell you exactly where you can find out more about us. Uh, but enough of me jaw flapping by myself and more of me jaw flapping with the great, the very incredibly talented Miss Marilyn Gigliotti on Chatastrophe on geeksoftheindustry.com. Hello. Good evening, Miss Gigliotti. How are you? See that? <laughs> I, I figure 
say the last name first. Get that just right out of the way. Because <laughs> if, if, if I beat around the bush with it and like, eh, it's Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got it. I'm sure, I'm sure you get that a lot. And, uh, since I got it, I think we're already on to a, a good start. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, basically I'm going to try to keep this as short and sweet as possible for you. Um, just because I, I know that you're a very busy person. I am extremely exhausted <laughs> because I just, uh, I have three kids and, uh, two of the three are in school. The third one is one going on two. And, um, the, the two older boys were out of school the last two days. So, um, it, it's been a, you know, I'm a stay at home dad, uh, during the week. And then on the weekends, I dance around in costumes for, children's birthday parties that's that's my weird admission i i always feel weird whenever i tell somebody oh yeah i dance around in costumes for kids birthday parties whatever gets them you know it it, you know keeps them in check and quiet and happy and all that kind of stuff yeah well it affords me the ability to you know be able to be the stay-at-home dad take Mm -hmm. them to school pick them up and really kind of interact with them in their in their process and um i i don't know how your upbringing was if you had both parents or not but it's something that's super duper important to me because i didn't mm-hmm. so um I, I and it's it's weird because you know as as a parent or i it was something that i never expected i was going to do and then right. I, and then once I did it, it was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it a bunch. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, I adopted the mindset of, you know, I don't take on any more than I can actually handle. And, um, you know, I test that theory every morning when I get up, uh, especially the, the youngest. He's, he's just one of those, um, he's very, he's very smart. So he pushes his boundaries every day. Uh, we went to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk uh, yesterday. Uh-huh. Went to the beach. Uh, you know, the wife, she has every Thursday off, and the boys were off. So I was like, oh, let's just, you know, take this two-hour drive and, you know, go to the beach before it starts getting ugly and rainy. Even yeah. though, you know, it's California, so it was sunny and bright. But the boardwalk itself was closed because... It's, you know, uh, school is back in session, so they're, they oh. are essentially gonna waste money if they have the rides running and everything. Right. So it, it was kind of surreal, because I, that's, uh, that's kind of where I grew up was, <coughs> at least like in my formative years, I spent a lot of time in Santa Cruz. And it's, and it's funny because it was in Santa Cruz that I saw clerks for the first time. Oh, okay. Um, I, my, I had family that lived out there and, you know, my mom, she was a single mom and, you know, most summers she would be able to spend money to have us go to like a summer camp thing and we would go places and do things so she would be able to work. Uh, but there were years that she just couldn't afford to send two kids to summer camp. It was like, 
a hundred and something dollars a week for each person. And, you know, that adds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what we would do instead is we would go to Santa Cruz. And it was, uh, while we were in Santa Cruz, I'd go, I'd ride a bike over to the video store because I was obsessed with movies and going to the video store. And it was, and it was there that I saw clerks for the first time. And it, and it really, I was, was that 94 that it came out on video 95? Yeah, uh, no, uh, uh, well, yes, it came out in the movie theaters in, in 94, yeah, so, so, yeah, I guess it came out in the video stores in 95. Yeah, so, I, I was 14, and, um, you know, I, I always say that Nightmare on Elm Street was essentially the film that made me fall in love with films, which seems weird, but it was Clerks that really inspired me to pick up a video camera, and, it, you know, it was the performances, it was the, almost the simplicity of, of the shooting that it was like, okay, I can, I think I could do this. Okay. And, um, for the first couple of years, I just tried to copy Kevin Smith's style <laughs> and, and, you know, try, dialogue heavy and just, you, you hold it on the frame and you make it feel almost theatrical, or not theatrical, like a theatrical release, but right, like it's in the theater. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it, it's it's one of those movies that's absolutely, you know, like a, a building block towards things that I would pursue. And a lot of the times I, I find myself inspired by Kevin Smith's work to pursue the next thing I do, like podcasting, mm-hmm. for example. Um, so it's, it's absolutely surreal to have you on the show. It's, it's almost like a full circle thing. Uh, you know, going to Santa Cruz yesterday, uh, the, your film being essentially the inspiration for me to pick up a camera and, um, then now having you on the show the day after I go to the place where I saw your film for the very first time. So it's, it's all kind of, uh, happenstance, if you will, uh, happy accidents that have put me and you in front of each other. Uh, but I, I kind of want to, if, if we can start in the time before clerks and find out more about your process and, uh, your, your the way you look at, you know, uh, acting because it's it's always different for everybody else i know that uh for you you had started off as a beautician it wasn't even theater for you at first correct correct yeah um growing up um i mean i didn't know what i wanted to be or anything like that i mean but i was creative that mm-hmm. i do know so when i was in high school they actually offered cosmetology classes in the high school and it, and it wasn't it wasn't even a vocational school um so it was just a regular high school but for, for whatever reason in that day and age they actually offered uh cosmetology classes but there were certain requirements and the requirements was biology and i was thinking to myself i don't want to um dissect a frog yeah just so that I can go into that class. So I decided not to do it. And so then once I 
got married and then I became pregnant and I was doing the whole nine to five and all that kind of stuff, boring desk jobs. And, uh, after my pregnancy, I, you know, it was time to go back to work mm. and I decided, no, nah, you know what? I think I'm going to go to school and do what I thought about doing and go to cosmetology school. <clears throat> and so I did that. And I, I really did enjoy it. I versed myself very well in a lot of di the different areas. <clears throat> so I just wasn't just cutting hair or just coloring or anything like that. And um, so I, I <clears throat> excuse me, mm. I pretty much well rounded myself in the salon. And I was looking at doing that and really do uh, more education along the way and hopefully do trade shows and, and be an ambassador or, or something like that for one of the companies, you know, the big companies. Um, but then changes in my life happened, and, and that's when I found acting, when I was looking for something in my life. And, and so, yeah, I got a little sidetracked there. <laughs> and in in terms of acting, would you say, because, again, you know, everybody's experience is different, you know, would you, would you look at yourself as more, when you were younger, as an introvert or an extrovert? Because there's, there's some actors that were very, you know, shy and to themselves, and then there were the actors um, that were essentially the class clowns that loved the feeling of that attention and performing would you be the former or the latter oh i was definitely an introvert i was extremely shy to the point that i can't remember if it was my kindergarten or first grade class it's probably first grade um i did not talk at all in the class and the only way that that was reversed was the fact that the teacher took an interest imagine that um yeah. oh yeah. trust me i'm dealing with the school system right now it's like please just pay attention <laughs> so yeah no she took an interest in 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 trying to bring me out of my shell and was like well what if i come to your house would you then speak in class and the thing that she did was she would line the kids up against the, the closets or or against the one wall, mm -hmm. and everybody was assigned a number, and that's how she took roll call. And so every time it came to my number, I never, I never said anything. So she came to my house. I was so excited that the teacher came to my house. I was special. It, mind you, it's like most kids would think they're in trouble or something like that, but I, I, <laughs> was, I was excited that she came to see me. Um, and I was so excited that I was showing her around and she's like, oh my God, I can't believe this is the same kid. Uh, <laughs> but I went to uh, class the next day. <clears throat> excuse me. And so when it came, my turn to say my number. And I, I wish I could remember what the number was. Um, and I said it pretty much all jaws dropped in the class of all the other kids because I didn't talk. Yeah. So 
<coughs> so it's like the Tiny Tim thing and and Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, God well, bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I I would think though to some degree that's almost my my first time on the stage, if you will, even though it wasn't a stage, but the reaction of what you would get is if you were performing, but I didn't realize that at that time. So, so yeah, I I was very much an introvert when I became a, well, yeah, when I became uh, a stylist Mm -hmm. in a salon, that's when I kind of started coming out of my shell a little bit more. Um, and then once I got interested in acting, well, even more so. And you have to assume, uh, being a stylist, working with somebody, one of the things that's kind of, you know, commonplace is the chatter. You know, that's one of the things you automatically correlate with going and getting your hair done is that you're going to have a conversation. Uh, a lot of the times it's like a therapy chair for people. Oh, absolutely. We, we are the barber, sh- we are the, um, bartenders outside the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people, you know, people talk to bartenders and, and, uh, stylists. <laughs> and so obviously you're able to kind of implement some of the just un, you know, undecided character studies almost, uh, by having these different people sit in your chair and get these insights into their lives. Um, do you subconsciously take that stuff in and implement it when you do decide to go into theater? Or was that just something that was just, this is, this is a way for me to interact with people and really kind of get a feel for human emotion or not human emotion, but human interaction because again you you open up to the people that you know but other people you don't so right um i i I don't know that i consciously you know used any information that anybody gave me in a way to 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 take on for any characters that i might have done because for me when i am given a character and I'm reading it, for me, it will always remind me or, or relate somehow in my life. And that's where I kind of take the experience of the character and, and, or then make a backstory for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's exact or not, it doesn't really matter. Usually if I'm reading something, it'll trigger some kind of memory. And so I, I use that. Um, uh. And you, you started when you started acting within the theater. Um, that's, that's something that I'm always very interested in, especially with anybody that's, you know, done both the, the theater and then, you know, working on a production. Um, that, that transition for you, which would you say that you preferred? Oh gosh. No, I I wouldn't want to choose. (laughs) It's like picking your favorite kid, basically. Yeah, yeah, and 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 honestly, it's like (laughs) many of these many of these podcasts, interviews that I do, it always comes down to certain 
what do I prefer and whatever category it may be, what are my favorites of whatever it may be? And I don't like choosing. I've mm-hmm. been like that in my life at all because I don't want to have to choose. I don't want to have to, uh, dwindle it, it, yeah, it down to any one specific thing because I like to be able to enjoy the multitude of it. And that's kind of one of the perks of being an actress is that you can step into these different worlds and the, the trick is also ultimately kind of making it true for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> so talk me up a little bit about what, what happens with you where you decide that performing is the way for you because again you've you've created this career you've went to school to pursue this career you're i'm assuming mind is completely set that you know beautician is what you're going to be you know it's almost as if you know somebody goes through all the training to be a firefighter and then decides to be a pilot you know (laughs) they're 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 two different worlds but obviously there's some level of training that you can implement, but it's, it's a different world completely. Um, what about it? What, where was that aha moment? Uh, well, basically. Well, the thing is, is that I was working in a salon, um, for at least a good five years mm-hmm. before the other notion even came and, 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 as I mentioned, it was, certain things happened in my life, and basically it's just like m- my marriage fell apart, and so um, I got a divorce, and so then I was kind of searching for myself. I was searching for something, and so uh, I was still working in the salon, and I still enjoyed it and all that kind of stuff, and and I kind of found my way towards an acting classes, mm-hmm. and but. I didn't start implementing what I learned in, in the acting classes for at least a couple years. Then I, I felt comfortable enough that I had enough knowledge to audition for plays in, 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 in community theater. Mm-hmm. And so once I did that and I found myself on the stage and people were actually listening to what I had to say because I was a middle child growing up. You know, we middle children always feel unheard, unseen and unimportant. And sometimes have a tendency to act out accordingly because of that belief. Well, that wasn't my case. That's how my middle son is. That wasn't my case. But, um, you know, when all of a sudden you don't ever feel seen or heard and all of a sudden you're on the stage and people are actually wanting to hear what you have to say, uh, it pretty much kind of hooked me. Um, And, you know, at a certain point, though, it's like the passion either takes you 
to keep going on or, oh, okay, you know, this is, this is a nice little hobby. I'll just keep on doing, you know? Yeah. It, but it didn't, it, it, <clears throat> for me, it became something that I really wanted to, it to grow and see what I can make of it. And, and it's only continued to grow. Uh, the fact that, you know, a few years ago, I, I wanted to start directing and, and producing and things like that. And so I gradually kind of worked my way into it. And now that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm actually going to be directing a couple of shorts uh, in, in, in a couple of months. Very and cool. I, are, are you writing the stuff that you're directing or are you taking on somebody else's work? Well, um, I'm with a film group. And so one of the pieces I actually did write, and it was something that came to me as an idea I don't even remember how many years ago mm-hmm. because I figured, oh, it's simple enough and easy enough to, 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 to do. Um, and then someone else in, within the group wrote something, but she wrote it for herself to act in. She didn't have anybody attached to direct it. Nobody else I, had really said anything. So I was like, I'll direct it. I, I, I'd like to do it. Um, and it, very two different pieces. I mean, mind compared to hers. It's, they're basically complete opposites. Um, but the other reason too for that is I've, I've optioned someone else's feature length or full length script to direct. And I knew I had to kind of direct something to be able to get money from someone to direct a, you know, a, a full length film. Um, you know, cause who's going to give money to somebody who's never directed before? <laughs> and, and there's also the adage, you have to walk before you run uh, and get a feel, get those muscles loosened up. Obviously you've been on a set before, so you understand what it is to operate on a set. And a lot of actors that transition into directing, um, become kind of actors, directors. Yeah. And so there's there's those elements that obviously, you know, you kind of have a, a shorthand that somebody that just decides, like myself, uh, they loved, you know, a movie and they decide, oh, I want to be a director. Um, you're going to have much more of a, a foot up over somebody like that. Uh, but you, you want to, before you take on something as big as a feature length project, at least have that kind of muscle uh, at your disposal, I would assume. Sure, sure. Um, but in a sense, though, I, I felt ready either way. And it's like, as long as you hire people who know what they're doing in the departments that they should be doing, you always have those people to rely on, especially when you've got history with them and you've worked with them before. Uh, the thing is that in the last few years, um, I have been in certain situations where it's been a little bit on the collaborative side that, and then I've had friends who I've had that I've helped as far as directing their own pieces that, you know, before you start helping, it's like, Oh, you wonder if you can. And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. I can, you know, when you put yourself in those positions of helping others and then working with others, that's you have the collaboration Then you find yourself, it's like, you know, don't speak and don't tell 
don't give your help unless you're asked for it because you don't want to be stepping on any toes as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, you might say, well, you know, when we were doing this, this helped us. But it, you, again, you're absolutely right. You don't want to do it unless you were asked. And there's, you know, this again, um, I, the way I look at things, I, I feel like a lot of things are done, uh, through energy. I, I, I'm a big believer of, of energy and, you know, vibing off of the other person's energy. If, if they seem, you know, willing to right. have that suggestion and you can kind of gauge that just by the way that they're standing and, you know, the sound of their voice, you, you, you get kind of whether or not that's something that they're going to be open to. Absolutely. And was acting always, uh, I mean, your trajectory for acting, was film always in your eyeline, or did you think that you were going to stay in theater? I honestly, I mean, when I first started acting, I, I did not foresee it, because I, I, I was just in the moment of, you know, doing the stage acting and um i don't think it was a reality until the opportunity came that being clerks mm-hmm. um because you know I, I, the only thing that i was thinking about is like oh what what else is going to be um auditioning or what other shows are going to be going on at the other theaters that that i have worked at and and then through the grapevine, it was just like, oh, they're having auditions at such and such place. It's like some kid is making a movie. It's like, and so they're going to be holding auditions. You got to do monologue. It's like, okay. So I went. And lo and behold, I actually got cast. And this was the, I've, I've watched a couple of documentaries on the making of the film. Again, uh, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the film Clerks. Uh, but one of the things that Kevin Smith always says is that during your monologue, you were able to cry in the correct moment. Is, is that a trick that you taught yourself or did you really just kind of, again, you had said earlier in the conversation that you always kind of take a piece of you and put it into your performance. So the words you're saying are real. Right. And the thing is, the monologue that I chose just actually talks about not being seen and not being heard. Mm-hmm. So that was something very near and dear to my feelings um, and and my life. Maybe not exactly because it's talking about a mother who, you know, the, the certain relationship with the mother. And so that wasn't exactly the case with that. But still. It, the whole not being seen and not being heard and you just wanting someone to hear me, anybody. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I was able to get emotional. Let me just say that mm-hmm. because for me, that wasn't my best performance of that monologue. <laughs> 
So and, so they hadn't even seen your final form is what you were saying. Hadn't, they hadn't seen my really great performance on that one. So, I mean, the fact that they loved it and and and, and I had heard one of the podcasts about Kevin talking what Walter said after they had gone out and how he was just, oh, my God, I can't believe she was able to do that. Um, so, yes, I got emotional. For me, some of the pieces felt forced, mm-hmm. um, but it did what it had to do because I got the role. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, obviously, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the project, uh, Clerks itself. Uh, this is, you know, your first feature-length film. I, I believe you did a short video uh, before this uh, invasion for flesh and blood, which I, I believe I found on YouTube and um, it's, it's interesting. Um, but this is, this is essentially, you know, your real kind of first foray into a feature length film. Yeah. And so you had no kind of, uh, preconceived notions of what a production should be per se. No, none at all. Um, I, and the way that I always like to say it, it's like we were all in the same boat together mm-hmm. and everybody was kind of figuring everything out, uh, from camera to producing, uh, to writing and directing. But, uh, I assume because the dialogue being what it is that, there's not a lot of wiggle room because you have to kind of, you know, the strength of that film is the dialogue yeah. in, in the sense that that's, you know, what your, what your main focus is because it's not like, it's not visually, a, I mean, there's, there's moments, visual moments, but it's primarily, you know, these very long wordy interactions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because learning lines is is always the fear factor for me. Mm-hmm. And even though I come from stage where, yeah, you have a lot of dialogue to learn, plus blocking and all that kind of stuff, it, it you know, it's it still was this major fear for me to to learn all these lines for clerks um i don't know where i was going to go with that (laughs) but you you have you know somebody like brian who i believe you worked with before this correct yes i yes we have we have history together on the stage um we had done um a play together before and after clerks Mm mm-hmm so uh, when I found out that he was going to be uh, audition- auditioning as well, uh, I was re- very happy, and even more so when he got the role. And so you guys kind of were able to already have this preset rhythm, which it, which absolutely helps the relationship with Veronica and uh, with Dante. But the, then there are people that, weren't necessarily you know actors was was there any 
place where that could work as a frustration for you or was it just kind of you're you're there you're you're doing your part and you're trying to just do your part the best you can well um i mean definitely as far as like brian and myself yeah it was very comfortable i mean it was it was it was easy it Mm -hmm. was very easy um and I'm assuming that you are hinting at the fact that in the 10th anniversary DVD, there's this whole um, issue that that uh, Jeff and I had that I honestly still to this day cannot remember. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could. I really honestly wish I could. Um, so I can't really address your 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 question because i don't remember it um you know for me it was and i was unaware as to like the other stuff mm-hmm. like how he was feeling i i was i was totally unaware of that um because i just don't remember the other and sometimes i i wonder i i think to myself it's like well you know did that happen did something else happen and it get misconstrued did do i remember just differently in the sense that i don't remember it being what it was i i don't know i i i i i I really wish i could remember i try to Mm -hmm. and and it's some degrees it's like i have to i kind of have to put it aside because otherwise it would eat me up and Um, absolutely it's it's one of those things, especially on a project like this, because I assume that none of you had any inkling of what this was going to inevitably become. No, it, this was no. just you guys making a movie. Everybody mm-hmm. cared about it. it. It's you know indie rock in a sense. You know it's for us by us, and maybe hopefully, you know it gets a run in the theaters in New Jersey. I'm assuming. Or... No, I mean, and, and, and what I say today is you, even if it were made today, no matter what it is that you're, you're creating on film or anything like that, you can't know what's going to happen. And I always say, unless you're Marvel. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or even Star Wars, or although the last Han Solo movie might, might kind of put a little twist on that now, but I, I enjoyed it. So anyway, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> so I don't think anybody can say or know what it is that will be created with their film. There's it, just it's impossible, impossible. I mean, you've got oh God. I hear so many people say it's like, oh, my script is awesome. Well, it is to you, but you know, you have to be a little objective. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you see in a lot of these trade papers, you know, when they're looking for people behind the scenes or actors, it's like, you know, come work with a great crew on a great piece of film or a great student film. It's it's great, (laughs) but, you know, you have to be objective about it. It's like, of course, everybody's going to love their piece because it's theirs. Yeah. (laughs) it's it's just like uh, and again i I keep going back to kids but you know i my social media is flooded 
with nothing but photos of my kids like look look i made life aren't i great that i made life <laughs> but it's literally something that anybody can do right right <laughs> and, and so you know in my world it's it's the greatest thing since sliced bread in somebody else's world you know they're loud kids <laughs> no different than any other uh and and they and they probably are adorable, but they, and that somebody said it's like, oh, there's there. Okay, here you go. Now you can take them home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and you had said, you know, you'd been married, you'd become a mother. Um, the the time working on this film, obviously, you know, that's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Is was that difficult being a parent and wanting to pursue this, but having to commit that time. Well, at that, the time of Clerks, I was only there, let's see, there was four days, four evenings that I think I had to do, and mm -hmm. then maybe one day or two day, um, day shots. Uh, so, and at that time, I was living with my parents, um, so I had to live in babysitter, so to speak. <laughs> and I was very thankful for that. Um, so it wasn't too difficult. It's like, you know, basically it's, I went to work, went home, went to shoot, went home, went to work. <laughs> had that sweet jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Love that jacket. Uh, did they, did they ask you to do the hair and makeup? on the film because it was again very much a kind of shoestring budget uh was that ever anything that was brought up or? no they, they actually did hire someone to do makeup um hair wise we basically pretty much came set ready mm -hmm. uh, they did have someone there to do makeup um and I think sometimes uh, some of the guys were a little upset because they, they just felt like it was pretty heavy makeup. Because they're Jersey boys. They're like, I don't want to wear makeup. Well, I'm a I mean, dude. <laughs> makeup for the black and white, though, is very different from color film. So it was it was a little bit heavy if you just kind of looked at each other. Mm -hmm. But as you can tell, on the black and white film, it doesn't really look like you have anything on. So... That that was the necessity back then. <laughs> and I know that you've since uh, started to work on that side of the camera doing that. Is that just kind of a natural transition for you? Uh, was that always like in the back of your head that, you know, hey, I can always do this? No, well, once I moved out to California um, twenty over, a little over 21 years ago now, mm -hmm. Um, I went to a supply place here uh, of beauty products and there was someone that was working behind the register that looked familiar to me. And I just kept looking at her, but I, I then kind of noticed that she was probably looking at me in the same way that I was kind of looking at her. It's like, who is this person? And so we started the conversation back and forth and we realized that we had actually done 
murder mystery shows together back in Jersey. As like, a, like a dinner theater kind of deal? or yeah, yeah. Awesome. And so she moved out here after I had moved out here. Um, but she uh, was working in the industry as a hair and makeup artist as well as working in the um, – the beauty supply place that uh, is known to cater to people in the industry. And uh, so we just, you know, reconnected and she would, when she would need help, she kind of asked for the help. And so that basically kind of then brought me in the fold of being able to do hair and makeup on set, Mm. uh, putting my expertise there. Um, Especially being that, she did hair, but I knew hair better than she knew hair. And so she would bring me in to help her out with that aspect of it. Um, and then so she would teach me a little bit more about makeup because I didn't know makeup as much as she knew makeup. So so it kind of, you know, it became a nice little symbiotic relationship as well as a, a, a nice friendship. Um, so, yeah, and it just grew from there. And the the... When you make a film that becomes essentially a cult classic indie sensation, it it goes just over the moon at uh, Sun Sundance, and you know everybody is clamoring for it. I remember when it was released in the theaters; it was all over MTV. Is there yep. is there an automatic thought to yourself that? Holy shit, I, I need to capitalize on this. Or do you, do you still, because you were involved in it, um, are you unable to kind of really take into account to how big the film ultimately became? One of the things that I, I always mention, I mean, yeah, at the time that it was just, gaining this popularity we didn't know how to capitalize on it Mm -hmm. we didn't know how to work that we didn't know what to do for ourselves to be able to help us to progress and, and, and go further with that I mean and I and Kevin didn't know either but what worked for Kevin was the fact that because of it immediately an agency signed him on and that agency then took it upon themselves it's like all right this is what we're going to be doing for you to you know to help make this work mm-hmm. so they got him the PR people they got him everything that he needed to be able to further his career and had we known that's oh I, I I didn't know about PR people I didn't I mean you know if I heard about PR people I didn't know what PR people did I didn't know what they could have done for us um and I think had we known we probably could have pulled our resources together the four of us to have that PR person then be able to you know, publicize us in, in the way that we needed to be publicized to hopefully get that other work in other films and things like that. And uh, there's there's another story that I 
I just I feel almost compelled to ask you about, uh, and that is chasing Amy. I know that you had uh, auditioned for Mallrats, correct? Correct. Yes, and and yeah, that that. Oh, let me tell you that story. <laughs> I mean, because it was great that Kevin felt like it would be nice if if you know they had invited us mm-hmm. to audition, and it was and it was great. Um, and, but essentially that was, I'm going to say my first real audition, even though I had auditioned, yes, for the stage plays in, in the community theater. Um, but this was a whole different ball game, you know, and you're working with universal at this point. Yes. So we had to go into the city, um, go into this room with people, I, I don't even remember how many people were in there, but I do remember that Scott and, and, and Kevin were in there sitting next on this couch next to the casting director. And as soon as I walked in, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. No worries. Um, as soon as I walked in, this casting director asks me, so what role are you auditioning for? And so I was just given the role that, I don't remember what role it was, to be honest. I, I can't remember. But when I said which role I was auditioning for, and it was it was just given to me. It's like, you know, it's not like I had a choice as to which role I was going to be auditioning for. And I don't know who gave me the actual character role and pages of what I had to memorize. Um, but when I told her, she just had this look on her face of confusion then looked towards Kevin and Scott and then looked towards me. And then I'm thinking to myself, Oh shit, what's going on? <laughs> um, so you, that, that, that didn't put me in a, in a position of being secure as to what I'm doing right off the bat. Yeah. You walk in, I'm assuming thinking it's going to be a slam dunk. You already worked <laughs> with Kevin. No, hell no. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be a slam dunk, but I didn't ex- I didn't expect to be derailed. Yeah. <laughs> um so needless to say that's how that went and I didn't get a role. Um so it, it would have been nice to have got to have been given, you know, a little bone, but I didn't even get that. Yeah, I believe they wanted to recast Jay um with Seth Green or somebody Breckenmeyer or one of those guys. Yeah. So, uh, Universal didn't really know kind of what they were picking up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he ultimately sways away from that kind of picture, which Mallrats is a great film, but he goes a little bit closer to his roots with Chasing Amy, and you're given the option to, uh, play a character in this film, but. Yeah. So yeah, I I was given the opportunity to play opposite Joey Lauren Adams as her girlfriend mm-hmm. um, in in that one scene. And well, funny enough, I met Joey. Um, I think it's going on three years ago. I think uh, at Miami SuperCon. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Yeah, I met her, and so I, right off the bat, just introduced myself, and well, Brian introduced us, and and 
And so the one thing that I mentioned to her is like, yeah, we, we actually almost work together. And she's like, oh, on what? And why didn't we? And I said, well, I was supposed to play your girlfriend in, in Chasing Amy. And I had no idea what I was going to say to her. I had no idea. But, but the, the one thing that just came to my, my thought at that moment was, it's like, I was afraid of challenges. And, and that's very much the truth. You um, still were that girl who was shy in I, some way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was still pretty green at that point. You know, I, I, I still had insecurities. Um, well, I still have insecurities. They're just not as big as they were back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I was afraid of challenges and I, I, even though when I decided to make the move to come out here to California and I was not afraid in the least, which actually surprised me. Um, you know, I, I, it was a challenge just in itself moving here. It was a challenge trying to survive that first year here, but it was, it was a time of growth for me. The, my first few years here in California, where at a certain point in my life, of finding myself and finding who I really was and whether this was really something that I really wanted to do when coming out here. Um, at a certain point, I basically had to ask myself, am I more afraid of making it or not making it? And... And that's where I kind of answered my question because no, I, you know, I'm more afraid of actually not trying, you know, even if I don't make it, it that at least I try. Mm -hmm. So that was my biggest fear of not trying and, and, and not making it. Um, and so then that's where, you know, knowing that what I said to Joey was truth for me, it's like, yes. I was afraid of challenges back then because at a certain point when I, when I figured that out for myself, I take on challenges now. Mm -hmm. Directing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, part I feel of pursuing the career that you've pursued, um, is about being brave in the face of embarrassment and fear and, allowing that little girl who was afraid to say her number in elementary school to speak up and say, you know, even if I fail, I'm willing to try. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's, I think if I'm just a, a person outside looking in, which I am, uh, the perfect tail end for this story, because you're now far more than that. You're, you know, you're a mother, you're a beautician, you're an actress, you're a writer, you're a director, and all of these things happened because you were unwilling to allow yourself to be controlled by your fear. Right. Yes. So, kind of in closing, um, I, I think I kind of know what you're going to say, but 
to <laughs> another aspiring actor who is considering this as their path, as as the thing that they want to do for the rest of their life, what advice would you give? For me, always in the beginning, is it's about why. Why do they want to pursue this? Because there's just so many actors out there that want to do it because they want to become rich and famous. And that's so not the reason to do it because, well, first of all, be prepared for that big letdown. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because that is not going to get you through the low points of this business. I mean, you know, maybe for them, though, the fact that they want to become rich and famous is enough of an impetus to push them to make that. But will that sustain them if they do? Because many people who have be gotten to that rich and famous well-known then hate being that well-known because then they can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So knowing whether it's really your passion or not has to be the first thing of why. And then you kind of take it from there. And train, 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 and then train some more. <laughs> <laughs> because I, there, again, there's like, I, I've gotten the questions of, <clears throat> how do I get started in this business? It's like, I really, I just want somebody to give me that first break. I'm like, and I ask them, it's like, have you trained? No. Oh. I I I can't I can't. Uh, you you mean you don't just have Joe Hollywood pull up in a limo and say get in kid? That doesn't work. That does, that's not how it works. I just I can't. It's like how do you expect to to just go on set and and all of a sudden be given all this and become a star without any kind of training where you're going to cost people money because you're not going to know what to do on set. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what I got to say on that. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Uh, please, by all means, uh, let people know. Obviously, you're you're going to be directing some stuff, but let people know where they can find out more about what's going on in Marilyn Gigliotti's world. You see, I got I got it right. Still, I'm still oh, doing okay. <laughs> um. So I've got a Facebook page, Marilyn Gigliotti fan page. Um, because I am, I've got my limit on the other one, mm -hmm. uh, and I and I post everything that is happening on there, as well as my Instagram, Marilyn Gigliotti, and my Twitter, that Clerks Girl. I don't post as much on Twitter as I do on Instagram and Facebook, but you know, I, I try. <laughs> Twitter's a cesspool of negativity, unfortunately. Well, so is Facebook. Yeah, it's gotten really bad. Um, I like Instagram just because I can post a picture and I don't really have to interact with anybody. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like throwing it into the ether and then, you know, being able to go out about my day. Uh, I, I really uh, like politics and, and all of the arguments and, you know, it's, it, I look at politics like baseball teams. 
you know, my team's better than your team. No, it's not. It, you guys <laughs> both play the same game. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. You know, so, yeah, and I... I you have a website, MarilynGigliotti.com, um, you know, and I try to keep that updated. I think I'm actually behind, so I need to update that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it, it, social media is the the must have. The I there was a, there was a word and a term that I had for it that I can't remember off the top of my head at the moment. I'm kind of tired myself. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. Necessary is, evil. That's it. The necessary evil. Yes. Evil being the key word. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you so much, Marilyn, for doing this. This was, I, as I had said when we started talking, um, just kind of one of the most full circle and special kind of moments for me to be able to have you on the show and talk to you. Um Thank you so much, Larry. That's that's very kind of you to say. I'm glad. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to let you go. You have a great evening. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Yep, and there you have it. I am beyond thrilled to be able to have had that conversation. Uh, I I don't even know if there's a way to undersell uh, how giddy it is, or I am, to be able to have had the conversation with someone that I just genuinely admire. And her story is... Uh, without making it super duper about myself completely reflective of you know a lot of the things that I feel and you know a lot of the things that I've done and the the places that I've been able to go with this podcasting stuff has all been based on my willingness to put myself out there to take the chance and and make the opportunities and you know not be afraid to have a door closed in my face to to make at least the attempt to open those doors to reach out for the handles and uh you know uh, more often than not i've found that you know you miss all of the swings that you don't take and i've I've, and just in retrospect, I feel I've had a pretty successful run at this podcasting thing, and this is absolutely a highlight. I've had quite a few highlight moments of just doing the shows this year, and this is absolutely one of them. Uh, you know, but I, I'm I'm again kissing my own ass, and nobody wants to hear that. But maybe you do. Maybe you want to find out more about uh, the shows that I do. Maybe you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the way you could do that is by starting by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash G of the I. You can also follow us on Twitter at G of the I. Um, 
on, and obviously go listen to all the other shows on geeksintheindustry.com. Got a bunch of shows over there for you guys to listen to. Definitely check them all out. Uh, but uh, again, you know, I thanked her before we left, but I want to thank her again. Marilyn Gigliotti is a wonderful person, and um, you know, I just admire the hell out of her. And this was a fucking hell of a lot of fun to me. Uh, so again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. That is going to do it for us. Uh, thank you li- for listening. Thank you, f- listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chetastrophe. That's on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Take it easy, guys. Goodbye. Good night. Whatever. I love you! Fuck you!